He is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise the Lord. In this message from Resurrection Sunday, Pastor Myron will be talking about why Easter as he looks at various verses from the Gospels. We are so grateful that our Lord and Savior is alive forevermore, and I pray that God will speak to you as we spend time looking at his word together. Friends, on this Easter Sunday 2021, with confidence and with hearts filled with hope, we proclaim that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And I want to extend a shout out to Pastor Sherry and her tech team and her team of visual artists and musicians. We didn't think we would have a second Easter weekend, sort of like the one that was about a year ago. But when it became apparent that it was going to be something like that, they went to work to pull ministries together that we really prayed and trusted, whether it was Good Friday or this morning, that they would be meaningful and a great source of encouragement and blessing and hope for our people. So they're doing it to God be the glory, I know it, but so grateful for Pastor Sherry and her team. They've done just an outstanding job of leading us into the presence of the risen Lord Jesus in this Easter season. So thank you so much to them. Now it may surprise you to know that 52% of Canadians actually believe in the resurrection. Uh, Paul asked Canadians across the country to respond, and 52% of Canadians say they believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, who is crucified, dead, and buried, and was raised to life on the third day. In some sense, the idea that a majority of Canadians, and for that matter, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of millions of people the world over, that they should believe that Jesus was raised to life on the third day, it comes kind of as no surprise. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in the first century was not something that happened in secret. It was very much history that unfolded out in the open. And so in those days, all of Jerusalem was aware of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the Roman Empire, there was a buzz about Jesus of Nazareth and his resurrection from the dead. And on top of that, there are some 15 historical accounts of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and our resurrected Christ in those days following his coming forth from the grave. He appeared to hundreds of people and connected with them and he allowed them to touch him and even shared in meals with them. In fact, if we were to invite each of the people that encountered the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ to come to harvest... And to testify for 15 minutes each, we're talking eyewitness, first-person account of the risen Christ. If we were to invite each of them to come to harvest and just testify for 15 minutes about what they had seen and heard when they encountered Jesus, if we went 24-7 with those testimonies, we would be here until next Friday evening. So... The question, I don't think, is so much whether or not Jesus was raised from the grave. Friends, that's accomplished history. The preponderance of evidence says conclusively that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I think the question is more, so what? Why Easter? What's the big deal about Easter? What exactly does Easter mean? Why does Easter matter? Friends, Easter matters because of what it means. And three thoughts I want to share with you this morning from God's Word. And here's the first. Easter matters because Easter means 
that Jesus is the person he said he was. During his earthly ministry, our Lord Jesus made some outrageous claims, if you think about it. I mean, they're audacious. In John 8, 58, he said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, he was declaring his eternal nature, that even uh, though Abraham had lived thousands of years earlier, the Lord Jesus Christ existed before that. Not only that, by saying, before Abraham was, I am, he was equating himself with Yahweh. The great I am of the Old Testament. In John 4.42, Jesus was declared to be the Savior of the world. Those are big claims. Then in John chapter 2, Jesus one day went into the temple courtyard. And he flipped some tables over. And he chased a bunch of merchants and money changers out of the temple area. People who were ripping worshipers off in the name of God. And the people watching this happen were outraged. And they asked him, what right do you have to do what you've just done? And Jesus said, I can do that because I'm God, and I'll prove it to you. And then in John 2, verse 19, Jesus said these words. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus was predicting his crucifixion. And his resurrection from the grave is proof positive that he was and is God. And that on that day in the temple, as God Almighty, he had the right to chase those ungodly people out of that place of worship. Jesus made another amazing claim, audacious claim, in John chapter 14 and verse 6. And it's this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, that's a big claim. I've got my device, a cell phone. My wife has one too. And a while back, I ran into a bit of a problem. I got in the habit of just saying, hey Siri, phone Grace. Or just tapping my wife's name into the contacts thing and, you know, it does it for you. You know what that means? When I came into a situation where I didn't have my device and I had to phone my wife, I didn't know her phone number. So I had to go to work on that and actually memorize that phone number. In the process of sort of learning the phone number, I made some calls to the wrong people. I learned something else as well, or was reminded of. You got to have the right number when you text a message to someone or you don't know who gets the message, right? So a couple of people out there in my contact list, they got in, love you, babe. <laughs> that was intended, obviously, for my wife. Here's where I'm going with that. You can dial any 10 digits you want, but unless you dial the right 10 digits, you will not connect with my wife. I've learned that in different ways in recent days. Friends, there's only one way that we can connect with Almighty God, and that is through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus stated. Jesus called it the way it is. He said he is the only way. And he can do that because he's God and his resurrection from the dead declared that unequivocally that Jesus is the very person that he said he was. Friends, Easter matters because Easter also means that Jesus has the power he said that he had. Listen to these words from Matthew 28 and verse 18. Jesus said, all authority, that's power, 
in heaven and on earth is given to me. That was Jesus claiming that he can do everything that God can do because he's God. Then you have these words of our Lord Jesus from John chapter 10 and verse 18. Nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Think of those words in the context of what happened in Ho- during Holy Week 2,000 years ago. The Roman authorities seized the Lord Jesus Christ. They put him to death on the cross. Then his body was taken down. He was put into the tomb of a rich man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. A big stone was rolled over the front of the tomb. The seal of imperial Rome was placed upon that stone. And then a guard was posted outside of the stone and the tomb 24-7. And all of that amounted to what? Absolutely zero. Because nothing was going to prevent the Lord Jesus Christ from being raised to life on the third day. Jesus himself said it. He said, I have authority, power. To lay my life down in love as the perfect once-for-all sacrifice for the sins of the world. And I have authority to take my life up again. The resurrection absolutely affirms that our Lord Jesus Christ has all of the authority and all of the power that he said that he had. Three professionals were having a conversation, a bit of a discussion, a little bit of an argument about what was the first profession that's mentioned in the Bible. And the surgeon said, well, obviously, it was the medical profession because uh, rib was taken out of Adam and used to fashion the woman. I mean, that's a complicated medical procedure. Obviously, medicine was the first profession that was mentioned in the Bible. The engineer said, not so fast. It was a mammoth engineering feat to create the world out of the chaos. And the politician stepped up and said, oh no, who do you think it was that created the chaos? I say that tongue-in-cheek. Because our elected officials have served us so graciously in these days. Our MLA, Minister Josephine Pawn, and our MP, Michelle Rumpel-Garner, they have reached out to us at Harvest and to me personally many times over the last year to see how we're doing. How could they advocate for us? And they wanted to make sure that we were in the loop and we were on the receiving end of timely information so that we could serve our church family and serve our larger community in the best way possible. So I'm super grateful for them. But thinking about the creation narrative, do you know what else the Word of God says about our Lord Jesus? It says in John chapter 1 and verse 3 that guess who's responsible for creating everything that is? That would be King Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 1, guess who is holding all things together by the power of his might? That is our Lord Jesus. And by his resurrection from the dead, it was declared that Jesus has all the power, all the authority that he said that he had. Now think of that in this context. Here we are 13 months into a pandemic that, again, we thought would have been over five times by now. You may need to do what I've done. And in recent days, 
though I'm a news junkie, I've cut back on my news consumption and my social media consumption by quite a bit because it is majorly, in these days, marked by negativity. Instead of going there, how about doing this? Let's reflect upon, meditate upon the truth that by his resurrection from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ has been declared as King and Lord and the one in whom is all authority. In other words, Christ rules, not COVID. Amen? And that's where we're going to focus. And that is where we are going to direct our hearts and live in the hope and the confidence that reflects, is reflected in that. Here's a third thing that I want us to see, my friends, and with this I wrap up. Easter matters because Easter means that Jesus will perform everything he said he would. He will do in our lives everything that he promised to do. It was the third game of the World Series way back in 1932. And the Yankees were playing the Cubs in Wrigley Field in Chicago. And it was four all in the sixth inning when the Bambino, Babe Ruth, came to bat. 50,000 Cubs fans poured down jeers and insults upon the Bambino who had gone home for two previously and had struck out on both occasions. This time, in response to the crowd that was giving him the gears, the Bambino stared down the crowd and he looked the pitcher in the eye and stared him down and then he pointed to the center field fence and called his shot. The pitcher was incensed, and he hurled the baseball towards home plate. Babe Ruth swung, and crack! Hit the ball out of the park exactly where he had pointed out. Now, there's some question as to whether or not this is just baseball folklore or whether Babe Ruth actually called his shot in that World Series game. And recently, tapes have surfaced that went back to the 1932 baseball season in which a teammate, Lou Gehrig, absolutely described that story. And it's for real, it happened. And it's kind of cool, I think. But if that's kind of cool, this is awesome. Our Lord Jesus called a shot. Mark 10, 33 to 34, Jesus told his friends, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus, in advance of Easter weekend, told his friends, I want to give you this heads up. They will seize me. They will put me to death on the cross. But don't give up hope. Do not check out on this. Because three days later, I will come back from the grave. Jesus called his shot. The cross and the empty tomb, those things were not a surprise to our Lord Jesus. This was God's grace-filled plan to set us free and to rescue us from our sins. And how grateful we are for this truth of the risen Christ. Think about those courageous ladies. When all of Jesus' disciples, all the guys, had run away on Good Friday, those courageous ladies, they're at the foot of the cross. On an Easter Sunday morning, those courageous, those bold ladies, they were the first one at the tomb. And what did the angel say to them? He said, I know that you've come looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He's risen just as he said. Jesus promised it, and he delivered and the resurrection means then that Jesus 
will perform in our lives everything that he has promised to do. He keeps his word. What are some of the things that Jesus has promised to do for us? Jesus will forgive our sins. Jesus promises to forgive our sins. Since its invention in 1960, 100 million Etch-a-Sketches have been sold around the world, and chances are that if you don't currently have one, you had one in your household, an Etch-a-Sketch. You know how it works. You turn the white dials, you draw a kind of a sort of a picture. I never got good at that, but then again, I can't really draw anything. When you don't like your picture, what do you do? You shake it and start over. Did you know that there's an Etch-a-Sketch verse in the Bible? It's Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13. God forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you, the list of commandments which you have not obeyed. He took our list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Friends, we do not have to carry the burden of our sins and our guilt and our shame because Jesus, by his perfect once-for-all sacrifice on the cross, paid in full for our sins. So that if we choose in simple, sincere faith to entrust our lives to Jesus as the only one who could forgive us and lead our lives, we are forgiven. Our shame is washed away. And we get a clean slate. We get a new start. Just as Jesus was raised from the grave, he makes this promise to us, and that is to all who will turn to him in faith, Jesus will forgive our sins and set us free. And Jesus will lead our lives. Life's a blessing. Every day is a gift. And life can be challenging and it can be complicated. And we know that. It's never been more real to us than in this past year. Life is challenging. Life can be complicated. God never intended for us to try to get through life on our own. Our Lord Jesus, if we will seek him, he will help us and he will lead and guide us. An author and a speaker, the late Charlie Shedd, writes about a sermon that he had in mind to share back when he and his wife were newly married. And he gave the sermon this title, Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. Then Charlie says, we had our first kid. And he'd renamed the message. And he renamed it, Ten Helpful Hints for Parents. And then he says they had their second child, and he had to rename the message. A few tentative suggestions for fellow stragglers. Then they had their third child, and Charlie says, I just got rid of the message altogether. Life is complicated. Life's a joy. Life is challenging. Take raising a family. It's challenging in the days in which we live. Are we not incredibly grateful that we don't have to wade through that on our own? Our Lord Jesus will give us help. If we will ask him, listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. In all of the things that add up to us as life, the good things, the challenges, the confusing things, the hurtful things, Jesus will guide us if we'll seek him and ask him for his help. Thirdly, what does it mean that Jesus will do for us 
He will perform in our lives everything that he says he will do. Friends, Jesus will guarantee our future. The word of God teaches, and we believe this at Harvest, that the Lord Jesus Christ is soon to return. He could come back at any moment. The king who visited the planet once in the incarnation back in the first century, our Lord Jesus, he's coming back again. And in that moment when he returns, he will gather up to himself all who have placed their trust in him. And we look forward in faith to that glorious day. In the meantime, and unless Jesus returns first, guess what each and every one of us in this room face? We are going to die. How's that for a cheery note? People in our culture don't really like to talk about that, do they? But this is an inescapable fact of life. In fact, if you're wondering how reluctant people actually are to talk about their own death, Max Lucado gives us a suggestion. He says next time you go to a party, and God willing, at some point in the future, here we'll be able to go to parties again and hang out with people. He says just ask this question. Walk up to a random person and say, how are you feeling about your impending death? Max says it won't inject a lot of life into the conversation, but I'm ching. We don't look thinking about it, but it's truth. Here's the thing. In our hearts, we know that one day we will face the end, and because God has put eternity in the heart of every person, we very naturally wonder what is on the other side. Jesus, if we will trust in him, he will guarantee our future. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can know that when this life comes to a conclusion, we go to be with him forever. So how do we get to heaven? Well, there, first of all, would be the performance plan. To get to heaven on the performance plan, all you need to do is be perfect every second of every day of your life and never, ever do one thing wrong. Now, since none of us qualify for the performance plan, thankfully there's the grace plan. The grace plan says this, our Lord Jesus Christ, by his perfect life, once for all sacrifice on the cross and glorious resurrection, has purchased the ticket to heaven for us. Amen? To receive that ticket for free by God's grace, we simply need to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you died to forgive me. I yield my life to you. As my only Savior and as my Lord. And when we place our trust in Jesus in that way, we are forgiven, set free, restored to relationship with God, and given the free gift of forever life. And our Lord Jesus, he's the one who guarantees for us our future. John 17 and verse 3 puts it this way. This is the way to have eternal life, by knowing the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one he sent to earth. In John Ortberg's book, Who Is This Man? He recounts the story of a friend of his who's a children's pastor. And the children's pastor was sharing an Easter message with a group of kiddos and at one point posed a rhetorical question that the children's pastor would answer and then continue on with the message. But that's not quite how it worked out because the question was barely asked when one young lady, she put her hand up with enthusiasm and she had an answer to the question. What was the question? The question was, when Jesus came out of the tomb, what's the first thing that he said to his friends? 
Again, the children's pastor was going to answer and continue on with the message. But the little lady put up her hand and said, I know! Ta-da! John says that's as good a translation as any. Because of Easter. Because of the truth of the resurrection. Because of what Easter means. Because of the ta-da! Jesus absolutely is the person he said he was. He has the power that he said he had, and he will perform in your life and in mine absolutely everything that he said he would. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And all the people said, let's pray. Lord Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, we celebrate with joy, with hope, with confidence that you came out of the grave and that you live Thank you for walking with us in these days of challenge. Thank you for never, ever leaving us. Thank you for holding us in the palm of your hand. Thank you for wrapping your arms of love around us. Thank you for giving us your strength when we don't feel like we have any, your wisdom when we're confused and don't know what to do. Thank you for the promise for eternity that's ours, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name based upon what you've done for us on the cross and by your resurrection. My prayer this morning, Lord Jesus, would be that everyone in this room would have the confidence in their heart of knowing by faith that they know you, Jesus, as their only Savior and Lord. I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today as we spend time in God's Word together. Ephesians 3, 20-21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you have any questions about how you can grow in your faith or to begin one with Jesus Christ, please reach out through our website, hhachurch.com, or you can email us at help at hhachurch.com. Let's talk at hhachurch.com. May God bless you as you go into the week to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.